Hi, you're listening to a sermon from Oak Hills Church in Folsom, California. We're so glad you're listening. If you'd like more information, you can visit us online at oakhills.org or phone us at 916-983-0181. I'm going to transition to our our, uh, scripture reading right now. And I think I mentioned at the beginning of the service that we're talking today about less distraction, more presence. And I want to be honest with you, when I went through announcements just now, how many of you were distracted? Honestly. I know I wasn't even listening to myself, so <laughs> you guys are being very kind. I know that it happens a lot. You're, you're distracted um, by a thousand different things that are happening in your life, a thousand different things pinging in your head, a thousand different things that are outside, external to you, that are, are trying to gain your attention all the time. And if we're honest with ourselves, we know that that to be more true than we know. So as I read the scripture this morning, and then we're going to be talking about that in more detail, um, I would like to give you an invitation to stand and take a posture of mindfulness. So let's all stand right now. And as I read, I want you to maybe open the eyes of your heart to the presence of three things. The presence of yourself. How are you doing? Understand who you are. The presence of one another, for we gather in his name. uh, Be present with the people that are next to you and around you and in this room. And then finally, be present to the Spirit of God that is now in in this place and is speaking to us in his small, still voice. Our reading is from... Psalm 84, it's on page 588. And drink this in. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may may have her young, a place near your altar. Lord Almighty, my King, and my God, blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. Hear my prayer, Lord God Almighty. Listen to me, God of Jacob. Look on our shield, O God. Look with favor on your anointed one. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. Lord Almighty, blessed is the one who trusts in you. This is the word of the Lord. And you can be seated. So, um, obviously Mike is not here, but we are very, very fortunate in that we have many people at Oak Hills who function as leaders and mentors in spiritual formation. 
among us. So we thought we would bring up three different spiritual formation leaders, all in different ministries, and we're going to have a little bit of a panel discussion and talk about what this thing is, distraction versus presence. So I'd like to bring up at this point uh, Dan Most and Renee Schaefer and Angela Hauck. You take your spots. Um, for those of you who don't know who the, these people are, and uh, many of you might, they may be newer to, m- newer to Oak Hills, and you don't know these faces, and you should. So let me tell you, uh, Dan Most has been with Oak Hills for 14 years, and he's a spiritual leader for many of us. He's been given le- leadership to the Journey Group, among other things, as well as many spiritual formation retreats over the years. Renee, in the blue-ish thing... <laughs> uh, is a is a seminary trained and certified spiritual director, and she gives leadership to the spiritual direction ministry. So, in this capacity, she leads she meets with people one on one to provide direction for those who want to go deeper with God. So, if you're interested in spiritual direction, you might want to talk to her after the service. And finally, Angela um, is uh, both a ministry partner with us through New Joy arts and also uh, the director of the studio here at Oak Hills. So she provides, among other things, uh, monthly creative practices, which I highly recommend if you're interested in doing something like that, as well as other things in leading us in uh, spiritual direction. So that's the three of them. Okay. Okay. So here, let me ask the question, and this is also our mic check as we do this. Um, uh, Why are we so distractible? Why, Why are we so distracted? I think life is busy. I, I get the privilege of sitting here uh, as a mother of four children, and so there is uh, never a day that isn't busy and full of other people's wants and needs and distractions, much less my own stuff I have to take care of. So there's and lots of demands. I don't know if anyone can relate to you <laughs> in that way. One of the things I think that... Uh, affects me from time to time is <clears throat> kind of a basic restlessness and an undiagnosed or recognized uh, feeling of anxiety um, that drives me to stay busy and keep uh, my life full of things that I'm constantly doing. Get in the car. Radio always goes on. With it off, it's quiet. And I don't like quiet during those times because I'm afraid that something's going to come up. Maybe it's a a wound of the past and some emotions associated with that. Maybe it's a sense of um, feeling guilty before God and not really wanting to face that. Sometimes it's a fear of the future or a fear of failure. I'm going to fail at something, and I don't want to think about that. And as I analyze myself, one of the most ridiculous things I can think of is the back of a cereal box. I don't know how many bowls of cereal come out of a box of Wheaties, but there are times when I find myself reading that same back of the cereal box (laughs) ten times, Ten days in a row, and I wonder why. And it's because I want to keep my mind occupied and busy, so some of these things don't surface. 
So you're you're personifying this um, this restlessness, mm-hmm. but do you think it's more universal? I do. I do. I think it's kind of at the core of most of us. And so we self-medicate in ways. We don't even know how we're self-medicating, but it's keeping the mind occupied and busy and, and rabbit trails and work and hobbies and just anything to fill in. I, I even think as much as we sometimes resent all of the demands that are on us, it gives us a sense of purpose and identity. And so, you know, we, as much as we maybe feel pulled in many directions, we wouldn't know what to do without all of those demands and distractions on our time. So, okay, let me play devil's advocate. What's wrong with that? Why can't I read the zero box over and over and over again? Why are you looking at me? Because you've been sending me I'm going to give you the hairy eyeball. <laughs> I was going to say deep-rooted habits. Hmm. You know, we just, this, we've just built these things up over time, and it's just habitual. You know, the things that we do every day that um, we kind of think we should do. Um, you know, for whatever reason, either the culture is telling us that, or my ego is telling me that, or I want to numb out look at the cereal box or maybe there's something out there in the culture that's going to tell me something that I think I want to know. So it's just all these habits that I've built up um, so much so that I don't even know how to be without distractions. I don't even know what that's like to be without distractions. It's almost right. the path of least resistance sometimes. Yeah. So you mentioned, um, you mentioned external things. The, the things around you or the, the children, the, the life that happens. Emails and I know for myself, um, my wife will sometimes say, are you listening? <laughs> and I go, uh-huh, uh-huh. But I'm kind of not. Because, and I know that and she knows that. So. But then you also mentioned the internal, the internal thing that's going on inside of us that, that is constantly pinging. I'm having all these conversations with myself constantly. And... Um, uh, God forbid someone should listen in on some of those conversations, but they're they're there and they're constantly distracting me from the things that are really important. So let me ask the second question: um, Why is presence important? Well, I think uh, for me personally, um, if I don't stop running, then I don't manage life very well. Uh, it burns a lot of energy to be distracted, especially if there's a fear base or an anxiety base uh, behind all that. So it kind of burns energy. But, but probably more important than that, besides dropping my mic, is um, there are things and issues in our lives, uh, uh, wounds, disappointments, that will nag at us if we don't face them. And I think it's important to face some of the things that are below the surface because they haunt us invisibly if we don't take time to let them surface and to face them. So that's one reason for me anyway. We get stuck in cycles if we aren't present, if we aren't looking at what's happening to us and why we get to the places we get to. 
we get to this place of being fried or thin or lacking patience and how did I get here? Why am I doing what I'm doing? It's an inattentiveness to the presence, to ourselves and to others and to God, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Um, Presence is what's true and what's real. You know, the presence of God is what's real. It's just that it's often hidden. We can't see it. So, um, you know, it's pressing into what's, what's really real, what's true. So, which becomes kind of a really difficult thing to explain. So, good luck with that. <laughs> That's probably why we avoid it. <laughs> Somebody once uh, said that life can be lived as a thermometer or a thermostat. And that kind of related to me. A thermometer just reflects the temperature of what's going on around it. It doesn't control anything. And if we live life unexamined, it's, uh, we're just reflecting. We're just, we're just thermometizing. We're just responding and letting the environment determine how we feel, how we live. And uh, the thermostat, of course, is different because it controls the environment. And none of us control all of our environments, but there are parts of our lives we can control. And uh, so I think presence is an opportunity to stop and reevaluate whether I'm a thermometer or whether I am a thermostat for myself, my family, my purpose in life, what I want to do. And uh, that makes a difference for me. I, I uh, going back to, to the, the presence of God, and I always think about this is something I think about all the time, every Sunday, and I think about how God is present among us when we gather as a people, and the degree to which we actually believe it. Do we really believe that God is here with us now? Is 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 He that powerful, and also that intimate that He would want to be here with us? And um, I fear for myself and for all of us that that when we go through the motions, we're missing out on something that is greater than us. We miss out on um, the presence of God in our lives and in our community. And uh, um, and pointing people towards Him is supposed to be my job. And and are we really doing that? Are we really? Do we come away from a Sunday morning service and are we somehow different and changed, um, affected by the presence of God among us? I, I wonder about that a lot. When I was in college, uh, we read this little book. It's called The Practice of the Presence of God by Brother Lawrence. And it's a humble little book because Brother Lawrence was a dishwasher and a cook in the monastery. That was his noble profession. And he writes letters to others talking about this very thing, about being present in the midst of the day-to-day. And I keep coming back to that. College was a while ago, and I keep pulling this book off of the shelf because in different parts of my life, I need to re-embrace that idea of being present in the day-to-day. I want to read you a quote from here because I think it, it will help our conversation. The time of business 
and prayer does not differ with me. Oh, good, it's up there. For in the noise and the clatter of my kitchen, while several people are calling on me at the same time for different things, I possess God in as great tranquility as if I were on my knees at the communion table. Wouldn't that kind of presence be beautiful? He has a prayer which I have adapted as my own. <laughs> Lord of all pots and pans and things, make me a saint by getting meals and washing up the plates. It's not in the great and grand and glorious things, getting to sit up here and talk to people. It's in my kitchen what my attitude and my posture is towards my kids. And early on in motherhood, I really struggled with that. Um, I struggled with the incessant, immediate demand. I'm not a morning person. My kids didn't care. As infants, they thought morning was great and it should come as early as possible. And I had to quickly choose to practice being present, to beat them out of bed so that I could have this kind of attitude and posture as I went through my day instead of one of resentment and frustration and anxiety, serving out of my lack instead of my fullness. Okay, so that's a good, that's a good uh, segue to my next question. What, what, does, what does presence look like? How can we practically start to practice presence with, with our, in ourselves, with others, and with God? I often think of it as a posture, an internal posture, and sometimes it helps me to think of, be thinking of my physical posture too, to remind me that I have an attitude and it can be a good one or not a good one, right? But as I am walking through my day, as I am engaging with others, as I'm doing the tasks on my to-do list, the simple posture of my heart and the attitude that I'm walking through my day, that, that is one thing that, ooh, if I could check that a little more often, that thermostat versus thermometer, right? <laughs> Letting my heart posture not be a result of my circumstances, but being what I bring into my circumstance, that significantly changes my day. I'm going to call on you, Renee, so you can talk. <laughs> what do you think? How, how, give me one practical way that people can walk away going, I can do that. I can try to practice the presence this way. Well, silence, um, you know, just pressing into silence and starting with baby steps of silence. Um, five minutes of setting timer on my clock, on my phone and, and um, just being in that space and talking to God about how I feel about being in that space, <laughs> being honest with God about how do I feel in that space and what I'm feeling right now and, and what I'm thinking about and um, starting with silence because you're, you're, you're pushing against you're pushing against what you want to do and pushing into what is real and what's life-giving. But we're so untrained that we've got to train ourselves to do that. And the, the, the little bit that we taste of that, the, the more that that desire grows. Um, so, I mean, that's one thing. I think um, 
you know, in terms of the, the bigger concept of where is God, how is he present, um, my understanding is that he's present in ways that we have access to all the time. And, um, well, he's present all the time, but he's present and speaks to us through scripture, through the sacraments, and through nature. And we have access to that um, in the body, together, uh, at home, in the word, and all around us in nature. And it's, so it's kind of having that, wow, God is here, even if I can't feel it. God, God is speaking to me. He's always active. He's always present. And so it's, it's like I'm not, you know, why am I not... Um, Engaging in that and entering into that, it's, it's, I'm, I'm keeping myself poor if I'm not engaging in that or, or we're looking for that or recognizing that I'm becoming impoverished. So, you know, it's kind of like, why not um, be attentive to that? Yeah, I think we've heard all our lives that we're supposed to have a read the Bible, have a quiet time. Most of us have heard exhortations to have devotional times. But in the world of work, and as I've done hundreds of retreats with people and had chances to interact on that, it's a really hard thing in the morning to start your day with a period of time set aside to be with God. Most people struggle with that because of getting kids ready and getting ready to go to work, and I've got to drive, I've got to commute, there's breakfast, all those kinds of things. But uh, what it looks like to me is uh, just 10 or 15 minutes. Not a long time necessarily. It could be, but as a starter. And just allowing the awareness of whatever is going on to surface. Um, awareness of God. Awareness of my guilt. Awareness of my feelings. It's a time of dragging all that to the cross and saying, and inviting God into it, uh, if it's only for 10 or 50 minutes. Um, and that's, that is, is critical, it seems to me, to start the day. Otherwise, the day starts and everything just disappears in the mist because there's so many demands and it's so hectic. Well, what do you say to someone who, said, who, would, who would reply and say, well, 10 minutes um, is very uncomfortable? I'm not used to that. I didn't. What would you say to somebody like that? It's comfortable at the beginning, but um, but God is there, and so I think it's a matter of just habit and practice, and staying open to God and what He wants to do during that time. It may seem like nothing. You know, there's over 50 passages in Scripture that say, literally, God is in you. We don't believe it, really, that he's in us. But that's the clear teaching of Scripture. I don't understand that. But if it's true, then being present to the presence of God, who is with me and in me, makes a difference. Yeah, I think that, sorry, I'm going to jump on that. No, I was going to jump on that and say, yeah, I think one of our greatest fears is that we're alone. So, you know, that you're, you know, that you're going to put yourself out there and, and, and somehow 
you know, it's like crickets, right? You don't, you don't <laughs> hear anything, feel anything. Um, you know, God's somewhere else today. Um, so it's that if, if God is here and present and dwelling, um, then I'm not alone. And so it's pushing against the, the lie that, that I'm alone. Is that, that fear of the loneliness, is that part of the universal restlessness, the universal anxiety that all humans feel, would you say? Yes, I would say that, for sure. That's like, I think that's one of our greatest fears, that we're alone in all of this. We're, we're alone, yeah, we've been abandoned, we're, we don't belong. Um, now and talks about the difference between loneliness and solitude. He and does. Yeah, talk about that. <laughs> talk about that. Well, I brought a, I brought a little um, passage, if um, just about the difference between loneliness and solitude. It's the Henry now and. <laughs> um, and. Can you put that up, please, Kim? There it is. To live a spiritual life, we must first find the courage to enter into the desert of our loneliness and to change it by gentle and persistent efforts into a garden of solitude. The movement from loneliness to solitude, however, is the beginning of any spiritual life because it is the movement from the restless senses to the restful spirit, from the outward-reaching cravings to the inward reaching search from the fearful clinging to the fearless play. When Jesus says he is going to send the comforter, he's going to send the Holy Spirit to be with us, I think it's this empty desert space longing that we have that the Holy Spirit has come to relieve us of. I love that Jesus calls himself the living water. And he also calls himself the bread of life. He is the fulfillment and fullness of all that we need. And he has said, I will be with you always. Do we walk in that space where we are being refreshed by his living water, where we are being refueled by the bread of life? Are we being cultivated into a garden space instead of a desert space? It's one that takes work. It is one that takes some plowing into. And I think that's what's so hard is even those 10 minutes in the morning, gosh, can I get up before my kids to do that? It's hard. And even then, I might have to lock the door because (laughs) they get up earlier too. But I long for that. Yeah. Um, explain the the uh, pray dreaming. Oh well, <clears throat> if somebody's going to have some time devoted to God, ten minutes, whatever it happens to be, there's a million things, of course, that people do. But one of the simple things that, that has been helpful to me is what I call pray dreaming. Now, some people like to have a long list of things they pray for, and that's fine, that's wonderful. But in pray dreaming, basically. You set aside whatever amount of time it is and just and just sit down and relax. And whatever comes into your mind, you pray about. Instead of coming in with a long list of things, which is fine. That's a great thing to do sometimes. But sometimes it's good just to let surface 
whatever is down deep inside. And it may be a fear, it may be a person, it may be what's for dinner. Uh, you can pray for dinner, you know, I mean, it, it doesn't matter. But it's a simple way to just let yourself be and let surface whatever surfaces. And maybe it's stimulated by the Spirit of God. Maybe it just comes out of the depth of your soul. Maybe it's something fairly surface, like i got to get the car fixed this afternoon. It really doesn't matter. But you just let your mind go, and wherever it goes, you go along with it and bring that before God. And that's a simple way, I think, to be present to the presence of God in an uncomplicated, simple, and refreshing way. Right. It feels to me that that's something that's very doable for anybody. Um, you want to? I told you I would be very disappointed if you if you didn't talk <laughs> about the arts at all. In the this. Arts. Well, one of the things we are doing here at Oak Hills, as both part of our services and in the studio, is trying to weave arts and creativity as part of our practice. I am utterly convinced that that space within us opens up a place between our intellect and our heart that allows the Holy Spirit to move and connect things in ways we don't experience otherwise. So simple things, just like our Lenten practice of the open hand prayer and um, carrying um, our nails with us. I've been wearing mine. It keeps poking me and falling off, and I can't ignore it. <laughs> if you let me let me stop you for a second. If you hadn't done this yet and you still want to, there are there are little like string thingy bobbers. Mm-hmm. There's strings on cord. either on our left and our right the the worship stations, and there's also a a, uh, um, a nail that you can take home with you, and you can make a bracelet or or something Bookmark with it, or, mm-hmm. or, or yeah, whatever you would like to do. So that's something that's open to you. But that's something for me, um, years ago, I began doing even at home. I had something that I wanted to be mindful of and to do a simple, creative thing that kept it present for me throughout the day helped me to cultivate my own presence, to be aware that God was with me in the midst of it, that he was shaping and forming me just a little bit at a time. But it could be as simple as lighting a candle each morning in my kitchen and every time I come into the kitchen seeing that candle again reminds me of the thing that I had brought before God in the morning as I had lit my candle or um, uh, wearing something around my wrist or writing something on my arm or making post-it notes and sticking them in places where again it's a centering process of choosing to be present through the course and the rhythms of my day so that I don't forget the good thing that happened in that few minutes in the morning and that it's all undone by the time I get to the end of my day. But to keep cultivating that, that presence and that focus as I go through the day. And those are some of the things that we are doing in the studio. Okay, so any, any last words? I would just, I love all of that. I mean, I... I love the creative spiritual practices we're doing in the studio. Um, in addition to that, I think it, it part, and, and in, included in that is bringing, bringing people along with you in it, um, dialoguing with other people about it, um, finding a couple other people in your life that you can share what your intention is, what's your desire, um, being honest with that. Um, so I'm, I'm a big fan of talking to other people about it. Not only does it, vo- it voices your desire, 
and then other people can hear that desire and acknowledge that, that desire and, and ask you about it. So, um, you know, gathering people around you or meeting with, with, uh, with another person to just share what your desire is for presence and for growth and for um, what your longings are. We thought that uh, it would not be complete, this service would not be complete unless we practiced um, some presence um, together. And so I've invited the three of them to um, lead us in a communal spiritual practice right now. So um, as we do so, I would like to invite you to assume a posture of mindfulness, a posture of God in the room and God present and... and uh, as we enter into this now, may the Holy Spirit move in and through us and have freedom. During this Linton season, we have been focusing on a posture of open hands. It is something you have been invited into. And I know that that can be hard because of the distractions of our lives. And so today, to get to the place of open hands, I would like to invite you to put your hands out like this, like fists. And I would like you to take a moment in the presence of God and one another to begin to surrender those things that distract us, opening your hand one finger at a time as you lay those distractions at the foot of the cross. For some of us, we may have to open our hands and start over again. (laughs) But once you get to a place where you can sit with quiet and surrender, sit and listen and be present with the God who has said, I am with you always. Join me as we begin. Still in that space of surrender and going through those distractions, getting to a place of a clearing, a clearing space. I just want to pause and help help us understand what does that feel like? What does it feel like to let go of these distractions and and to be open-handed? Is it scary? A little vulnerable? Is it peaceful? 
freeing. Does it bring up questions about who you are before God? Who are you without those distractions? What does it feel like to bring your honest self before God? you haven't done so, I invite you to close your eyes and listen to the scripture reading from the beginning of the service. As I read it again, thought by thought, you may want to repeat it to yourself. If you can soak it up, soak it in, receive it somehow. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may have her young, a place near your altar. Lord Almighty, my King and my God, blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. Hear my prayer, Lord God Almighty. Listen to me, God of Jacob. Look on our shield, O God. Look with favor on your anointed one. Better is one day in your courts 
than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. Lord Almighty, blessed is the one who trusts in you. Our Father, we thank you that you see through us, you see into us, you know our intimate thoughts. You understand us. You love us, even when we feel unlovable. You are present to us. We ask you to help us be more present to you. And we thank you for your message of forgiveness that we need not fear to come. That you are the forgiving God. And you have said in your word, if you are for us, who can be against us? And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Look, I'd invite you to stand for the benediction, please. Now may the God of the universe, the God of Israel, the God of Jacob, and the God of being present be with you all now and forevermore. Amen. Also with you.